RTL Original Podcast Hello and welcome to the Luxembourg History Podcast. My name's Tom Tutton and I'm your host for our second series. Today we're continuing our series on politics in early 20th century Luxembourg. We'll explore the emergence of political parties in the Grand Duchy before hearing about the dramatic period of instability that saw six prime ministers in three years in Luxembourg. We hope you'll enjoy the podcast. The political system in Luxembourg today represents a wide spectrum of ideological thought, from the radical De Lenk to the right-wing ADR. When did this multi-party system come about, and how did the first political parties emerge? In the variety of legislative bodies that existed in the 19th century in Luxembourg, no political parties had ever been formed. There were, of course, deputies who tended to vote together and who held similar liberal or conservative beliefs, but they never coalesced into the structure of a political party. This would all change after 1903, when the first political party in Luxembourg was formed, the Social Democratic Party. The rapid industrialization of southern Luxembourg in the areas around esch sur alzette from the 1860s onwards brought about a dramatic change in the area's social makeup with the exponential growth of a working class that lived in squalid conditions. In this new environment, socialist ideas inspired by any number of the 19th century's great leftist theorists began to spread quickly, and despite a restrictive franchise, in 1896, Caspar Matthias Spo became the first recognised socialist to be elected to Luxembourg's Chamber of Deputies. Spo and his like-minded colleagues, including Dr. Michel Welter, who was elected in 1897, were mostly middle class as opposed to workers themselves, and they decided that in order to strengthen their movement, expand their support and achieve reforms in the sphere of workers' rights, they needed to form a political party. In 1902, therefore, they created the Sozialdemokratische Verein für Luxemburg, which in January 1903 morphed into the Social Democratic Party. The political party system had been born and it wouldn't take long for others to emerge, such as the liberals. Now, 19th century liberals, sometimes known as classical liberals, were a curious phenomenon across Europe. Their success and failure had been epitomised by the revolutionary year of 1848, when they rode tides of popular discontent to take power in capital cities across the continent, but collapsed in the face of conservative resistance. In essence, they wanted to limit the reactionary forces of the monarch and the church, through the use of legislative institutions, but with the ghost of the French Revolution still present, they were extremely wary of extended the franchise to the mob or the working classes. In Luxembourg, a majority of the Chamber of Deputies in the late 19th century could be identified as liberals, with most stemming from the middle and entrepreneurial classes. Perhaps alarmed by the creation of the Social Democratic Party in 1903, a group of liberals spearheaded by Robert Brasseur formed the Liberal League in 1904. With only a tiny percentage of Luxembourg's population able to vote, fewer than 10%, however, the Liberal League knew that its main opponent at this time was not the working classes, but the religious right. In 1908, therefore, the Liberal League and the Social Democratic Party formed the Left Bloc, a successful electoral alliance which was founded on anti-clericalism. Luxembourg's left was thus beginning to organise. But what was happening on the right? The more conservative deputies in the Chamber of Deputies at the beginning of the 20th century could essentially be described as agrarian and clerical. They represented Luxembourg's more rural cantons, where the Catholic Church still maintained a dominant role in society. 
Surprisingly, though, neither the birth of the leftist parties nor their 1908 alliance elicited an immediate response from the conservative side. Instead, it would be the political conflict over education known as the Kulturkampf that would finally bring about the formation of a right-wing party. The long-serving Prime Minister Paul Aitchen, who remained independent and above party politics throughout his career, although his ability to govern depended largely on support from liberals, decided to undertake some educational reforms, which was such a threat to the church's power that in 1914 the Party of the Right was finally founded. It's interesting to note that the development of Luxembourg's party system thus followed the German model, where the birth of a leftist party gave rise to oppositional conservative parties and not the British example where a long-standing two-party system was eventually overthrown by the creation of the Labour Party in 1900. By 1914, therefore, the Luxembourgish party system was largely in place. But with the German invasion later that year and the death of Paul Aitchen in 1915, the political situation would soon descend into chaos. The turn of the 20th century was a time of great economic and social change in Luxembourg, but the long premiership of Paul Aitchen had masked some of the country's emerging political divisions resulting from the emergence of the party system. His death in 1915, coupled with the German invasion of 1914, would result in a series of political crises that would engulf the Grand Duchy for the following five years. Upon Aitchen's death, his direct general of finance, Matthias Mongenast, was tasked with forming a government. But Morgenas would face obstruction from a particular source, the young Grand Duchess Marie Adelaide. As we've previously heard, Marie Adelaide was the first monarch to be born in Luxembourg since John the Blind in 1296, and she did not want to follow the example of her grandfather Adolf and father William IV in playing a minor role in the governance of her country. From the outset, she had demonstrated where her political sympathies laid, with the right. She had waited six weeks to sign the controversial schooling bill of 1912, and likewise caused problems over the nomination of the liberal mayors of Differdange and Hollerich in 1915. Paul Aitchen had managed to keep her political ambitions in check, but with him out of the way, Marie Adelaide decided to show her teeth. When Mathias Mongenas nominated a candidate she did not like for a vacancy at the École Normale, she simply refused him, causing him to resign after less than a month in charge. Despite the Liberal Socialist Alliance's clear 32-20 to 20 majority in the Chamber of Deputies, Marie Adelaide appointed Conservative Hubert Loach as Prime Minister in November 1915, becoming the third PM in about four weeks. As it quickly became clear that Loach could not govern Luxembourg despite the country's growing economic and food crises, Marie Adelaide took the dramatic step of calling new elections, a power granted to her under the Luxembourgish constitution but which had not been used for decades. The Liberals and Socialists immediately decried her actions as a coup d'etat, but the December elections resulted in a 27-25 split in favour of the left bloc. Marie Adelaide's gambit had failed, and her Prime Minister Loach was forced to resign in January 1916 after losing a vote of no confidence. After a month of tense negotiations, a new man now emerged to take the reins of the Luxembourg government. With the country facing widespread hunger and economic collapse, a new national unity government was formed, with 72-year-old Victor Thorne at its head. This would be a multi-party coalition, which included a Liberal League Prime Minister, a Social Democrat as Director-General for Agriculture, and a Director-General for Finance from the Party of the Right. To combat rising inflation and resolve the problem of food shortages, the Thorne government introduced rationing, but this only resulted in the emergence of a flourishing black market, 
and of a rift between the well-provisioned countryside and hungry urban populations. Discontent quickly spread amongst the industrial masses in the south of the country, causing workers to begin to organise themselves politically for the first time. And the government was further weakened in December 1916, when the Chamber of Deputies passed a vote of censure against one of the ministers, forcing him to resign. The population's disapproval of the Thorn administration was demonstrated in the by-elections of 1917, when the voters of esch sur alzette voted for three independent candidates, costing the government its majority in the chamber. And the final straw for Thorn came in June 1917, when a strike in Luxembourg's industrial south was crushed by the German army, showing the government's ultimate weakness in the face of the occupying force, and Thorn was forced to resign. Later that same month, Leon Kaufmann became the Party of the Right's first Prime Minister when he managed to recruit the support of a number of Liberals in the Chamber of Deputies. The price of that support, however, was a reform of Luxembourg's constitution. In November 1917, the Chamber debated some of the key issues. The introduction of universal suffrage, including votes for women, the use of proportional representation, the payment of deputies to ensure that not only wealthy industrialists could afford to sit in the Chamber, and the question of sovereignty. This last issue would prove the most difficult. Kaufmann refused to accept the Chamber's recommendation that Article 32 of the Constitution should be revised to specify that sovereignty resided in the nation and not in the person of the Grand Duke or Duchess. Kaufmann's government also faced mounting problems with the Grand Duchess, who had seemingly close ties with key figures in the German Empire, a relationship which not only clashed with Luxembourg's status as a neutral power, but also tarnished its international reputation at a time when Germany's armies were on the retreat. The Prime Minister's attendance at a ball given to host German Chancellor George von Hertling in August 1918 resulted in his government's final loss of credibility, and he was forced to resign the following month. When Emil Reuter assumed power in September 1918, he became the sixth Prime Minister to hold office since 1915. He faced a continuing economic crisis, a highly problematic monarch, political instability and the looming end of the First World War. Yet somehow, as we'll hear next time, he would manage to survive, ushering in a new era of democratic politics in the interwar Grand Duchy. That's all we've got for today. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us for the next episode of the Luxembourg History Podcast. This episode was researched, adapted and hosted by Thomas Tutton. Brought to you by RTL Today.